The automobile is one of the most important inventions that revolutionized the modern world in America. The rich history of car culture runs deep as technology continues to shape the future of the industry. Jason Stein, former publisher of Automotive News, is here to share the stories of people passionate about cars, from industry leaders and innovators to car-obsessed celebrities. Buckle up as Jason takes you inside the boardroom, onto the track, and around the bend on Cars and Culture on Sirius XM Business Radio. Welcome to SiriusXM's Cars and Culture. I'm Jason Stein in Detroit. Danny Coker probably shouldn't be here talking customization of cars or his incredibly popular TV show or the fact that he can take anything on wheels and turn it into something magical, beautiful, graceful, and awe-inspiring. Danny is, of course, of the Las Vegas-based Counts Customs, a legend, a -a one-of-a-kind hot rod and chopper customization studio and restoration shop where Danny and his team go metal on metal, mild to wild, flipping projects into works of art. But truth be told, he'd likely be happy to be on stage somewhere pounding out guitar licks and touring the country on a music tour. Cars or guitars, it's a natural fit. A self-taught mechanic who grew up in Cleveland and Detroit, the combination of passions, especially related to those two cities, makes his path a natural one. Cleveland for music, Detroit for cars and music. But what started as a hobby in a garage turned this self-taught mechanic into one of the most reputable and thriving customization and restoration shop owners in the country. The Count, as he's known, is cars and culture. He defines culture. He creates it. He inspires it. Count's Customs was originally created as a location where Coker could work on his private collection and the cars belonging to friends and family. It quickly extended into a unique flair and a creative sharing to the masses. But back to the music for a moment. It was all around him. His father, Daniel Coker Sr., excelled as a musician, singer, and composer, working alongside legendary acts such as the Oak Ridge Boys, C.L. Franklin, and Cathedral Quartet. Even Danny ended up on stage at Carnegie Hall at 11. But cars were his calling. And from his shop floor, he created works of art. Paint, upholstery, builds from the frame up. Custom hot rods, choppers with razor-sharp attention to detail from the bodywork to the final paint job. His is a world all his own and shared with the world for a decade now on TV with Counting Cars on History, a spinoff of Pawn Stars. He's a custom car legend. He's a B-movie star, which we'll talk about today. A Detroit guy with automotive in his veins who will modify anything, including a few years ago a NASCAR, which he did with Jimmy Johnson's car sponsored by Ally Financial. He's my guest, along with my co-host today, Andrea Brimmer, Chief Marketing and Public Relations Officer at Ally. I'm Danny Coker, and this is Cars and Culture with Jason Stein. Hi, I'm Andrea Brimmer, and this is Cars and Culture with Jason Stein. Danny, what a pleasure. Welcome to the program. Jason, thanks for having me. I, I really, really appreciate it. Any time we can talk Cars and Culture, man, I'm in. Well, thank you. And when we talk cars and culture, we also talk to Andrea. It is awesome to see you and be with you, Andrea. How are you? I'm great, Jason. And I'm super excited to be here with you and Danny, two of my favorite people. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm jealous because I don't, I don't get to see Andrea very often. So I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to be doing this, even, even though uh, we're, we're via technical advancements. <laughs> well, we're off, we're off I don't to even a know great what this is called. it's called it's called great great radio and great video and we're off to a we're off to a great start it is the first of its kind because uh andrea and i are going to share the interview stage with you today which is something we have not done here 
I am proud to say that Ally is the founding partner of the show. It's been with Cars and Culture from the very beginning and with us the rest of this year as well and beyond. So Danny and Andrea, uh, I know that uh, you have both been uh, together and and have done things as well. So part we're all partners here today. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we got that right. Yep. So let's start, Danny. I, I want to go back to a little bit of your history. You're, you're a self-taught mechanic, but more importantly for Andrea and I, you have Detroit roots too. Let's talk Amen. about those family bloodlines that are all automotive. I'm, I'm, I'm all over that. So, so I was born uh, in Akron, Ohio, just south of Cleveland. Uh, all of my relatives on my father's side uh, are Detroit people. So my father uh, grew up in Detroit and all my relatives on that side of family are Detroit. So I would spend half, and my father was a musician. So he was on the road all the time. So I, uh, I spent, in, in my whole life growing up was half my time was just south of Cleveland. Half my time was in Detroit. So I grew up uh, um, literally half my life in, in the magnificent city of Detroit. I have such love for that city. Uh, most of my relatives worked for Ford Motor Company at one point or another. Uh, my uncle Peter Coker was an executive at Ford Motor Company. And um, what did he do? I, honestly, I really don't know. I, I, I know he had a big office and a big tower. And, and you know, I was I was a kid. <laughs> I, I don't really know. But uh, uh, he was he was uh, quite the guy there. And, uh, you know, spending years growing up in Detroit and in the automotive world, uh, it's just something that I've never strayed from. And it is the city that absolutely warms my heart when I think about it. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. Uh, I, I, as a matter of fact, as we're doing this right now, in, uh, in two weeks, I'll be at the Detroit Autorama. And I can't wait. One of my favorite things to do is as soon as we land and they open the door on the plane and I step out into that jetway, I'm the guy blocking the aisle for 10 seconds as I inhale deep. Wow. <laughs> Soak in that Detroit air and it feeds my soul and I get so happy. So in a couple of weeks, I get to be in my city and I can't wait. It's in your blood. I mean, automotive, I mean, you must have uh, growing up just been around all elements. Absolutely. Of, of you know, uh, uh, you know, when I talk about my uncle Peter again, you know, being an ex in exec, um, you know, growing up, uh, the family didn't really have a lot. And uh, there were uh, tons of challenges along the way. And, but we didn't know it because it was, you know, always full of love in the family. But Uncle Peter, uh, being an executor, he always had toys at his house. I mean, it, it was anything from motorcycles to uh, hot rods to muscle cars to, you know, old Broncos and things like that. So whenever we got to spend time over at Uncle Peter's house, it was just a, 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 a gearhead party. It was a blast. So all of those things were huge influences on my life. The idea to actually start what you're doing and to take it to the level where you've where you've taken it to, it the the origination was just your own private collection, right? I mean, you, you yeah. were you were into you were into vehicles, you were into motorcycles, yeah, and and yet you were just going to do it on your own. So yeah. how did it get to there? Well, you know, my whole life there has been motorcycles and cars in my in my whole life, but you know, I've. I've done other jobs throughout my life. Uh, you know, I was, I was an audio guy, a sound guy, camera guy. Uh, I was in the television business for years. I was a, a, a director, multi-camera director, things like that. Um, but always in the background, 
were my motorcycles and my cars and music. Those were the three things in my life that were always in the background. And then I had a small hobby shop. So, you know, after work was done, I would, I would go to my small hobby shop and I would wrench on stuff. I'd wrench on things that, that I personally owned, be it a motorcycle or a car or whatever like that. And I'd been accumulating a very small collection. I'm talking like a handful of things. And out of that hobby shop, I met other guys here in, in Las Vegas. So, you know, I'll fast forward to, to, to the Las Vegas zone. And I met other guys in, in Vegas that were into it and stuff. So we always used to screw around in my hobby shop. And we ended up building a few things, build a bike, build a car, whatever like that. And then people, uh, when we're out riding or if we're out driving a car, whatever, people are like, hey, you know, who built that? Who did that? You know, I need some work done. And it kind of, the hobby shop kind of evolved into, well, you know, bring it over and we kind of mess with this. And eventually it started to turn into the potential of a business. And so at a certain point, turn the hobby shop into an actual, you know, licensed, you know, business that was for real. And there were probably, you know, after things got rolling for a little bit, there were nine of us that, that worked at Counts Customs. Counts Customs, um, you know, it's, it's 22 years old now. But, you know, currently at, at, at the time, you know, I was hosting, I was, I was a, a vampire on television. Yeah, I've seen those videos. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> Me too. I was, I was hosting late night horror films here, here in Vegas for, for 10 years. And so when we decided that we were going to turn the hobby shop into a business, everybody in Las Vegas knew the count. Everybody knew because he was Count Cool Red. He was a vampire that loved Elvis. So uh, it was really kooky. It was a very campy Vegas fun thing. So we called the little hobby shop, we called it Counts Customs because everybody here knew who the count was. Well, we didn't know that it was going to get uh, the opportunity to do an international television show around the world. So suddenly Counts Customs became known up around the planet because of the television show. And it's funny because the, the name originated all from this late night campy vampire uh, that loved Elvis here in Las Vegas. So that, that's where the whole Counts Customs came came from uh, Danny how did how did the um how did the break to to get the tv show happen how did you know and I know you really care a lot about your brand and you have really yeah. high standards for what you want Counts Customs to stand for um and doing a tv show is hard right because you got to crank out a lot of builds and and I know you are really um stringent about the quality of what's coming out out of out of Counts Customs so talk a little bit about how that all came about and and how you've been able to maintain such high quality Amen. You're, you're right on the money. You know, it was it was fun when uh, uh, the show happened. So so uh, um, the Harrison family uh, that, that everybody knows from Pawn Stars, uh, Rick Harrison and, and uh, Corey Harrison and Chumley and this and that. I've known them for years and years and years. I used to I used to be a, a, a riding buddy of one of Rick's brothers who, who we don't know from the show, uh, a cat named Chris. And uh, so I've known the Harrisons forever. Uh, Rick had a guy that was doing his automotive work. They had some sort of a falling out. The guy wasn't uh, up, up to up to Rick's standards. And uh, at, at the pawn shop, you know, Rick takes in cars, classic cars at times. Um, and he needs somebody to do things to them so that he can then sell them. So he asked me if I'd be interested. So I started doing his work for him. And then one day they asked, hey, can we shoot uh, an episode of Pawn Stars at your shop? regarding the car you're doing for Rick's, you know, business. Absolutely. 
So they came down, we shot, we had a good time. And about a week later, I got a phone call from a producer out of New York who, uh, um, you know, is with a production company that works on Rick's show. And, uh, and then the network uh, history. And they wanted to talk to me about possibly doing uh, my own show. And this is where it comes into what Andrew was saying. So I was like, sure, that sounds like a blast. They sent out a guy, they sent out a producer. He spent probably about a week or so with me. And it was all about, we need a bunch of yelling and screaming. We need you throwing stuff. Somebody throw a chair at somebody. <laughs> break this window. Somebody, you know, and I'm like, you know, I appreciate this opportunity like nobody's business, but you got the wrong guy. It's just not, I'm just, I'm just not going to do that. And they sent out another guy. This guy spent a week just shadowing me and he went back to the network and said, just let them do what they do. And it was at that point that I said, okay, let's do this because they allow me to keep it real. Like Andrew was saying, everything that we do here is very much keeping it real. I know a television show only lasts so long. And so when it's done, I still intend to be here. This is not, this is not a TV show faking it as a shop. This is a shop that has a TV show about it. So I keep it real, I keep it honest, and the quality control is, is bar none, like Andrew was saying, so important to me because those vehicles that go out there, that, that's my resume to people. And so someday when the show is done and over, this shop will still be here and I want our vehicles to be quality. So there's a challenge there in doing a television show and keeping quality control up and keeping it 100% real. But I also attest that to the longevity of the show because car people know. They know what's real. They know what's fake. And this show's been on the air now for over 10 years internationally. Which is incredible. Are not yeah. automotive build shows. And that's because we do keep it real. And we keep the quality up. So thank you for noticing. Andrea would know she's got a couple of my rides. So I do have a couple of your rides. And it ride. is awesome because whenever you take them anywhere, um, you know, car guys that know cars. In fact, my husband just had them at had a show a couple of weeks ago, and and you know, car guys come up and they're like, "These cars are beautifully done. They're legit. Every detail thought of. We've got a '69 Charger that just everything that you did to it is is beautiful, and and the quality is incredible. So I love that car. Oh, me too. Yeah, yeah. And there's so many little subtle things on that car. That only real car people, if you start staring at it, only real car people are going to know. You could park that charger next to another charger and, and people look at it and go, why is that charger so much cooler than that charger? And, and only to a trained eye are you going to be able to pick it off. There's so many little subtle things on that car. We had a blast doing that car. Yeah, it's cool. You're a big car fanatic, which uh, is obvious, but that doesn't mean you're, <laughs> you're a nut. <laughs> Certifiable. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you love all cars. In fact, the word is that you've been known to turn away a couple of requests to work on newer vehicles. Why is I that? Have. I have. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm also honest in what I do here business-wise. So let's say, for instance, somebody comes to me and they know exactly what they want. I, I, get, I get a few different types of customers. I'll get a customer that knows exactly what they want and we work with that. I'll get another customer that, kind of knows what they want. And then I'll get another customer that just has a particular vibe and they have no clue what they want. That's my favorite kind of customer because I can, I, can, I can drive them down my path and, and it's cool. But 
occasionally you'll get somebody that knows exactly what they want. And maybe it is not my flavor. Maybe it's not my taste. And maybe I know somebody else in the industry that is fantastic at what they want. And so being an honest businessman, which is sometimes a good thing and sometimes not, I would prefer to refer that person to this person that does what they do much better. Because maybe my heart's not in it. I mean, sometimes I get some goofy requests. In my opinion, they're goofy. Somebody that wants something that's very theme related or whatever. And Such it, as? Yeah, I had, I, oh my gosh, I, I'd have to throw, I'd have to throw a celebrity under the bus here. So I'm not gonna do that. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I had, I had a request one time from a, from a, a, a pretty big name country singer. And, uh, and she wanted me to do some pretty wacky stuff to some motorcycles. And I just respectfully said, you know, as much as I would love to do your work, I, I, I just can't do that. But I know somebody that can. And I, and I hooked her up with the right person and I stepped aside because it's just certain things are just not me. And, and if, I, if, if my heart's not in it, I don't think I'm going to give you the best job. And so I want, I want people to get the best job for what they want. And so, yeah, there's times I turn down stuff because it's just not my flavor. Andy, where do those creative ideas come from, right? So you get so many requests a year for vehicle, you know, restoration, car restorations. You probably get equal number for bike restorations. Like, how do you come up with a vision of what you're going to do to whatever you're working on? <laughs> That's a great question. That's a really good. Uh, a little gentleman Jack, I know, is <laughs> exactly. I was, I was just going to say, you know, a, a little gentleman Jack always great. helps. Always helps. You know. You know. Uh, I, I am, I'm a page from the past. I am, I'm a seventies guy and I always see things in kind of a, a retro flavor. And, um, I'm not kidding you ever since I was like a kid, like a little kid, I was always into the magazines, the hot rod magazines, the car magazines the motorcycle magazines, all that kind of stuff as a kid. And I just kind of have a flavor and a vibe that I love. And so somebody will bring me something and I'll spend time staring at it. And I, I don't, although I have done it in the past, but I'm not big on completely changing a vehicle's aesthetics. I'm more of the guy that takes the factory aesthetics and complements them and brings out the positive in what's there and, and enhances it more but I've got really a 70s vibe. But, you know, as far as where does it come from, I swear to you, it, it, it all just comes out of my head. And I think it all just comes from um, living it my whole life. And, and uh, I, I also really work very hard to not look at what other people are doing. I, I try not to watch other shops and what they're doing so that I I, they're always my ideas and they're always You're not influenced by anything else. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't want to get wanna, that out of your head. Yeah. I don't want to steal somebody else's stuff and I don't want somebody else to say, Oh, Oh, he got that from so-and-so. No, that's, 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 that's not me. I just, I try to just keep it all in my own head, but where it comes from, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> is, it ever, is it ever too wild for you, Danny? Do you go, ah, oh, we're not doing that. I just thought of this and we're not, there's no way we're doing that. No, wild is good. I like wild. I like wild. I mean, my, my taste is all over the place. You know, you, you can walk around my showroom here at Counts Customs 
And normally when you see somebody's collection, like they're a muscle car guy or they're a hot rod guy or they're a classic car guy or whatever, you walk around my collection, it, it follows no rhyme or reason. It's like you walk around and you think one guy owns all this stuff because this doesn't match that and this is over here and that's over there. My taste is all over the place. So I'll go from extremely mild to extremely wild and I'm cool with it all. So, you know, I don't, I don't think, I don't think anything gets too wild. Is that where your, is that where your slogan came from for accounts customs from mild to wild? From mild to wild. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And pimpire. That's, that's, that's my own word is, is, uh, is a cross between uh, pimp flavor and vampire. So it's called pimpire. <laughs> <laughs> you, you walk around the shop. I got, I got, I got purple velvet walls. I got spiderweb stuff all over the place. I got leopard print on it. It's very pimpire. It's, it's half pimp and half vampire. I, when I saw that plum, I knew we had to be partners. It was a, it was a done deal. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You split your pastimes between the love of all things automotive and your passion for music. Yeah. Those things are a natural intersection, aren't they? I mean, I think so. Musicians love cars and, right. and car guys love music. And yep. you're kind of exactly that. You're, that's the nexus of culture, right? Cars and culture. hundred percent. I, I think, I think you're, hundred percent correct. I think they go hand in hand. You know, dad was a musician. Um, uh, ever since I can remember, you know, I've had bikers in the family and car guys and hot rodders in the family and musicians in the family. And so those are all the things that I grew up with. And at this point in my life, I still find myself doing cars, bikes, and music. And I really think they go hand in hand. I honestly believe that they are connected. And I think they're, cre they're, they're, they're connected through a creative a common denominator. I mean, it's, it's customizing cars, building bikes and doing music. You have to be in a creative mindset. And, and that's where I'm at. You know, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm very thankful that I've surrounded myself with, with good people uh, as far as management is concerned, uh, the business side of things. Um, while, while I like to think that I'm good with business, it's not my forte. My forte is the creative side of and, uh, and so I've surrounded myself with good business people, but that by having good people uh, to handle, you know, crossing the T's and dotting the I's in my world, it frees me up to be that creative guy. And so the cars and the music, they go hand in hand, but I think the common denominator is creativity. Your dad, I just want to mention uh, just for a second, for those who didn't know, he worked with the Foggy River Boys, uh, Cathedral Quartet. Oak Ridge Boys, of course, very famous. C.L. Franklin. What are your memories of, of your dad being involved in the music industry as, as much as he was? Uh, huge. Um, uh, dad was the, the biggest influence on my life. And um, uh, he, was, he was one of those guys that, uh, that could enjoy cars, could enjoy motorcycles, did music, was creative as all get out. He was a Green Beret, uh, and a paratrooper in the military. Uh, he played hockey for, for the army. Uh, uh, he was, uh, he was a pitcher in baseball. Uh, the, 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 the Tigers, uh, tried to draft him at, at a Detroit, at a Detroit, but then he, uh, he went, uh, and pursued his music career. Um, he was, uh, the originator of the Foggy River Boys. He started the Cathedral Quartet. Uh, he worked with C.L. Franklin. He worked with Johnny Cash. He worked with, uh, Mahalia Jackson. Um, he, uh, he was the music director for Rex Humbard uh, Ministries out of uh, Akron, Ohio for 20 plus years. Um, 
He brought me up in music. You know, as a kid, I remember at home uh, being around a, a, a piano that he had longer than me. And I still have that piano. I got a recording studio next door and that piano is still in there. And, uh, but I remember as a kid and, I, you know, I didn't know how cool it was as a kid, but now I look back and I remember at home, you know, he's in, in the family room rehearsing with people like Connie Smith was over at the house and, and he's playing with Connie Smith or Johnny Cash come over to the house and he's playing with Johnny Cash and he's working, you know, working. Johnny Cash was a Johnny house. Cash. Absolutely. The man <laughs> in black. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. You know, and, uh, and you talk about. Uh, the Oak Ridge Boys, you know, I, I, I grew up around those guys. Uh, I was fortunate enough to go to the, uh, to an Oak Ridge Boys concert a few years back here in Vegas and uh, went backstage and I hadn't seen those guys since I was a very young man. And, um, you know, my father had the same name, Danny Coker. And so Joe Bonzel, who is the, the, the lead of the Oak Ridge Boys, you know, we were hanging out backstage talking and uh, they were getting ready to go on stage. And he yelled at the rest of the guys. He goes, he yells at the guys. He goes, Danny Coker's in the house. And he started laughing. And he goes, I haven't said that in years. He goes, years ago, when the cathedrals and the Oaks used to be on tour all the time, their, their paths would cross all the time. And so Joe used to yell at the rest of the guys when my father was there, he used to yell at the rest of the guys, Danny Coker's in the house. That meant put on your A game because, you know, dad was a real serious musician. So Joe yelled at the rest of the boys, Danny Coker's in the house. And it just brought back a lot of memories of back in the day when my father was in the house. And um, biggest influence on my life, uh, um, the, harshest, the harshest loss in my life. And, and I still, this is, this is the most I've been able to talk about it in a while without coming apart. So I, I, I uh, as a firm believer in the man upstairs, I cannot wait to see my father again someday. Yeah, that's amazing. Is that how you ended up on the stage at Carnegie Hall when you were 11 years old with your with your dad? Absolutely. Dad, dad brought me up. Okay, I started singing gospel music. Dad was big in uh, Southern gospel and black gospel. That's 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 what he did. So he brought me up in Southern gospel and black gospel music. So as a as a young guy, I started singing gospel and and I got into the uh, the Humbard uh, uh, family singers group. And we traveled the world. I spent two and a half years, uh, literally, uh, on airplanes and buses and things like that, traveling the world, singing gospel music with uh, with my father and with the Humbards and this and that. And you know, and Andrea brought up one of the greatest memories of my life. Uh, I believe it was in 1977. Uh, we played a show at Carnegie Hall in New York, and it was sold out twice. Uh, they had as they had, we had to do two shows because it was soul sold out and there were as many people out on the street. So we did a full show, took a break, emptied the house, filled it again, did another full show. And, and that was one of the greatest things in, that I can remember in my life was being able to play to two packs houses in at, at Carnegie Hall, you know, with my dad. And it was the coolest thing ever. It really was. Yeah, that's incredible. I'm going to think about that every time I walk by Carnegie Hall now, Danny, that's unreal. You know, I got to tell you something really quick about Carnegie Hall that never leaves my mind. So the steps that lead up to the stage, they're concrete, they're cement steps that go up to the stage. And I think about all the people that have walked those steps over the years. It's, it's amazing. And those concrete steps, you know how when you go up steps, you kind of, you kind of your feet, you kind of slide them. All the years on these concrete steps, 
They're like waves of people's feet chipping away at that concrete. And I remember those steps weren't flat. They had little waves in them from when everybody did that. And I remember thinking to myself, good Lord, who were all these people that dragged their feet going up these steps over the years? It's amazing to me. I mean, somebody someday, that would be a portrait of just the steps leading to the stage at Carnegie Hall. I'd hang that on my wall. Yeah, that's cool. That's amazing. It was me. After the break, I'll continue my conversation with Danny Coker of Counts Customs and Andrea Brimmer of Ally Financial. The automobile is one of the most important inventions that revolutionized the modern world in America. The rich history of car culture runs deep. Technology continues to shape the future of the industry. Jason Stein, former publisher of Automotive News, is here to share the stories of people passionate about cars, from industry leaders and innovators to car-obsessed celebrities. Buckle up as Jason takes you inside the boardroom, onto the track, and around the bend on Cars and Culture on Sirius XM Business Radio. Welcome back. I'm Jason Stein in Detroit. Now, a continuation of my interview with Danny Coker of Counts Customs and Andrea Bremer of Ally Financial on Cars and Culture with Jason Stein. I want to I want to talk about your 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 natural level of entertainment then transferring over to counting cars and the development of counting cars. How did it come to be and and what has it meant to you the most? Wow. Well, you know, when when they the network gave the show a shot it was uh, it was really cool. Um, uh, when the show hit the air, when when Counting Cars premiered, it was the largest uh, premiering show to ever draw those kind of numbers for history. Uh, history set records uh, when Counting Cars premiered, and uh, we have done extremely well with with the network uh, for a little over ten years now. It's been it's been fantastic. Does it surprise you that it's gone that long? I mean, I, Say what? Does it surprise you that it's gone that long? Absolutely. Uh, it, it has surprised me. I mean, uh, television shows don't, don't last that long. They don't. They don't. And especially when you look at a, uh, a build-oriented show. Uh, but something that, that happened with the show that was really organic that we really didn't expect was the, the human aspect of it, the, the human interest aspect of it. You know, it's not just about building this car. It's about building somebody's dreams. Uh, and or restoring somebody's memories. So many of these vehicles are related to people's families and, and their stories and, and their relatives, uh, some that are still here, some that aren't, or chasing people's dreams. And that was something that, that happened with the show that I didn't expect to happen was the giant human interest side of it and the heartfelt side of it. And um, it just happened really organically. And, uh, you know, what it did for me here at the shop was, you know, I said earlier that there was about nine of us when we started Counts Customs. There's about 40 of us here now. And, uh, and there, was, there was one building and there is, you know, five buildings now and about 40 of us in here, you know, work in this place. And so it's, it's just turned into this giant machine, but that's what it takes to keep up with it. Um, you know, when you do a TV show, there's deadlines that, that have to be met. And to meet those deadlines, you've kind of got to have a big staff and a big thing going to be able to make it. And so um, while it is a real shop that's blessed with a television show, the shop is definitely geared up to handle the demands of a television show. So it's, it's, it's changed my life in a lot of different ways. 
Kevin, you, do, you go Kevin crazy because you never see a car you don't want to buy. And I know once you fix them up, a lot of times you don't want to let them go. In fact, the, the Econoline that we have was one that you bought and you were supposed to let go and you, you couldn't let go and kept. But then you ultimately gave it to us, which is yep. incredible. How, how, how big is your collection now? Like how, and, and what are some of the favorite things that you've got in the collection? I, I, I'm, I'm going to guess because I really don't know how many cars I've got, but I, I think it's probably around anywhere between 80 and 100. I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, uh, a lot of them are, are beautiful and done and finished and on display in the museum. Some are, uh, are in storage that I'm going to finish one day and, and get to. But um, it's, it's like you were saying, Andrea, I, I, I truly am a junkie with cars. I, I, I love them like crazy and I have a hard time selling. I buy great, I sell horrible. And that is certainly not a good way to do business. That's not a good recipe, Dan. Yeah, it's, it, that's, that's, that's what Kevin's for. Right, that's not the recipe for success, let me tell you. It, it's just feeding an addiction. I, I, I really love them so much. But then along the way, when you build something, and especially if, if, let's say there's no client involved, let's say it's something that I found and I bought and I picked it up, it's all me. So I bought it for a reason because it caught my eye. Now I've restored it, customized it, personalized it, whatever it may be, but it's all my taste because I'm not having to satisfy a client. Now this vehicle is over here in the done column and it's me. It's a slice of me. To sell that thing is so hard to do. I have a hard time doing it, but I do it once in a while. I do. I do. I have to. I have to. I can't keep them all. And see, like right now, I've sold a few things, you know, recently, but I'm trying to make a little bit of room because I, I referred to this other building where I've got stuff that I want to finish. So I've had some vehicles that are just investments for me. I'm, I'm, I, I haven't been driving them. I'm not planning on driving them. I might as well let somebody else enjoy them and finish some of these other things that I want to finish. What do you want that you don't currently have? Some sleep. (laughs) 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 He wants our 69 charger back, but he's not getting it back. No way, man. Come on. At least least I'm going to drive it when I come up there. You can come and drive it this summer when you're up there. Philosophical question, Danny, as much as it was a literal question about a literal that. question. I mean, do you, you want know, like a Tesla plaid or something like that? You don't no, like no, no, no. While I while I highly respect the electric vehicles for what they are, it, it's just not me. I'm I'm a I'm a fossil fuel. I gotta hear it and I gotta smell it. Uh uh, you know, kind of a guy. So are we, so are we, Andrea. Yeah, you're you're in good company with these two. Absolutely. I mean, I respect them, but but it, it's just it's just not my taste. Um, I think. I think if there was something out there that I really wish I could score, I think one of my very favorite cars in the world would be a 1972 Lamborghini Miura SV. It's such an amazing vehicle. You've been on the lookout for that for a while now. I have. I almost had one once a gazillion years ago. And the gentleman that was selling it at the very last minute got real sentimental and he couldn't let go. And if anybody can understand that, it's me. So, you know, I, I, I couldn't give him crap about it because I get it. So he kept the car and, and, and I ended up losing that one. But they're, they're almost unattainable now. There, there are so few of them and, and the dollar value on them is so outrageous 
that uh, that nah, I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I, I, on a completely making a hard left turn here, another car that uh, that I absolutely love that maybe someday I, I, I would score is I, I really do have a thing for for bullet Mustangs. I've I've, re, I've I've replicated the Steve McQueen bullet Mustang a couple of times for different clients, and I absolutely love that car so much. I was I was blessed enough to sit in the real Steve McQueen Bullet Mustang when it was at the Detroit Auto Show, the Northern American International. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, about five or six years ago. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. I got to spend His some daughter, time sitting. Runner. Right, right. I sat in that car for a period of time. And just that's a car that I love so much because it's it's like a gentleman's hot rod. It's so completely understated. And it's so cool because Steve McQueen did the mild custom touches to that car himself. He was such a car guy. And so that was really his vision of what that 68 GT390, you know, should look like. And it was very mild custom touches. So that's a car that, that I, I would love to have one day as well. Alice Cooper's got one that I really, really wanted. I was at Alice Cooper's house. I did, I did an Avanti for him and uh, went to his house and he showed me his bullet Mustang. And he's got a 68 Highland Green uh, with the, uh, the, 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 the torque thrust wheels, the grill delete, the whole bit, it looks just like Steve McQueen's Bullet Mustang until you open the hood and it's all modern. Modern chassis, modern Coyote engine, modern trans, modern brakes, modern AC, modern, drive it every day, but look like 1968 Bullet. I could, I could, I could see myself in that. I so now you got me thinking, Danny. Now you got yeah, me thinking. Come on, let's, <laughs> let's, let's do two. <laughs> He's another Motor City guy, by the way. Yeah, come on yeah I, I, I would love to i would love to and they're going up like crazy oh my gosh just to find a donor car to find a 68 fastback donor car the prices are through the roof have you do you think covid has accelerated um people's thirst for you know the classic cars and has your business thrived during covid yeah yeah we were we were uh we didn't shut down here um, I, I know I'm a shop that builds custom stuff, but uh, my, my technical license here at Counts Customs is a garage license. So during the shutdown, garages were looked at as essential businesses. So I didn't have to close. And so we kept going the whole time. We shot counting cars through the whole time. I mean, we had, we had nurses on staff. We were getting COVID tested two, three times a week. Uh, we, had, we had all these crazy protocols, but when we shot, there was no masks. Let's all behave so that the shows never look dated. People wouldn't watch a show and go, oh, that must have been shot during COVID because they all got this diaper on their face and they and they all standing 12 feet away from each other and not talking. I, I refuse to do that. So, you know, we thrived, we survived. And, and I agree with Andrea on the fact that I think because of people being pent up for so long, uh, they really decided to act on some of the passions that they had and and people are passionate about their cars and they want they want a lot of guys want that dream car that they've strived for their entire life for their retirement go have some fun so you know I had, I had a lot of people like that so yeah I think so I think I think the lockdowns really got people thinking about their hobbies and and cars is a big hobby for a lot of people I interviewed Steve Hamilton on this program of SD Wheel, who does a lot of restoration and tires uh -huh. and aftermarket and things of that nature. And he said they actually had to refuse work during COVID because they had so much business. Yeah. Oh, and they were yeah. only up 50 or 60% year over year last year. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it, it. it really was crazy like that. And, you know, I, I just came back from Barrett Jackson a few weeks ago and, uh, and it was huge. And the money that people are laying down on, on beautiful vehicles, you know, uh, people, people have still got some dough to spend on, on what they're passionate about. And the Barrett Jackson auction this year, it was their 50th anniversary, 50th anniversary. But their auction this year was, was quite incredible. And, and I talked to a lot of people there that were along those lines of, you know what, I've decided during this time, it's, it's time to retire. I'm done working. I'm done, you know, fighting all this lunacy. And I'm going to buy my dream car and I'm going to go drive around and have some fun. So I think there is a big part of that. Do you try and uh, outbid Rick Hendrick for the ZL6, Danny, or just stay out of that? Lord, oh, my Lord. I, 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 I would look at him and make sure that he was going to go another one. So then I would throw one in that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Four, four million right here. Please, please, Rick, bid again. Please. That is, that's a collection that you have to see, Jason just went and saw it and uh, you've never seen anything like Rick's collection. It's it is a museum that rivals the museums of the world in terms no. of not, not only of course the Corvettes that he has, which are numerous and yeah. Rick, Rick has been on this show uh, as well to talk a little bit about it, but it, it, it is also the Ferraris and the, and the, and the Porsches and the specialty vehicles. Yep. Uh, it's, it's a museum. It's true. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, that gentleman's got the best taste in the world and he's got the, the ability to, to collect the most beautiful things in the world. So God bless him on that. His collection has got to be outrageous. Hey, Danny, you're, you're a cool guy that I think if, if, if you took the stage, I try. people would really notice. Have you thought about amping up your music career too? I mean, just, you know, getting out there and doing some numbers and I mean, forget this car business, just the music stuff, right? It's interesting. It's interesting that, that, that you bring that up. The music to me is something that I love so much. And I, I go back to my dad on the fact that when, when my band counts 77, when we go out and we play, there is at least one time during every show where I'm on stage with my dad again, and I feel it. And so that feeds my soul. So to be able to do music, is the greatest thing ever. And it's great for my head. It's great for my heart. It's great for my soul. And I love it so much. And, and my band, there are six of us in the band. It's all the six original guys. We've been together for going on 13 years now. Uh, and, and we're truly a band of brothers. There's nothing but love there. We hang out together. We rehearse all the time. We travel well together and we rock out on a stage together. And here, as of recently, I've, uh, I've been introduced to a gentleman through our, uh, our record company, uh, which is Shrapnel Records. Mike Varney is Shrapnel Records uh, associated with Sony and this and that. And Mike Varney is phenomenal. He's, he's discovered some very huge people over the years. And he's a really good guy. And he's, he's who we're signed with. He's our label, Shrapnel. And, and we've got two original records out. We're working on our third record right now. Uh, uh, so that hopefully we'll see here within a year, I, I, I would hope. Um, but he introduced me to a gentleman that manages uh, music careers. And um, I, won't, I won't drop names again, but there's, there's a really big celebrity out there. He's huge. He's a movie star. I mean, you know, he's not just a celebrity, he's a movie star. This guy's big. And he is also a musician. And like myself, he's known for this but his passion for music is out of control. So this gentleman that I just met is managing, now managing his music career, coinciding with the fact that everybody knows him for this. 
So I've been recently introduced to this gentleman. He's talking to me about the same thing, like what you're talking about. He's like, okay, everybody knows you for this over here, but I've seen your band. I've heard your band. And you might really want to think about this. And so we're talking right now. We'll see. We'll see. I appreciate you asking that question because it really means a lot to me, but we'll I, I would I would really, really love to amp it up more because that's it it's really good for me. It's really good. We had, we had Danny out at the Ally Challenge and they were they were awesome. And you guys are coming back this summer to do uh, Back to the Bricks, which I I'm can't wait stoked about as well. I can't wait. You know, I just you know I just had in my shop, Andrea. I just had Big Kenny in my shop. Oh, that's right. I know. I got pictures. They, uh, Mark was texting oh, right. pictures of you we guys. You the ally picture. Yeah. <laughs> Darn right. Big Kenny. Talk about a cool cat. We we were talking about the ally challenge up there and the, and the concert and everything, but that's, we had so much fun. We just, we just played with hot rods all day and drove around and act like maniacs. And it was just, it was just a ball. So <laughs> that was a good time. Hey, speaking of fun things you've done in your shop, how fun was it when you did that car for us with uh, with Jeff Gordon and uh, and, um, Jimmy Johnson. and yourself? And yeah, it was a blast. Yeah. And Jimmy Johnson had talked a little I, bit about that. That was, was fun. A great, it was a great video, too. I appreciate yeah. it. And, you know, if I don't get to say thank you enough, Andrea, thank you. That was that was that was a highlight for me. That was a huge highlight for me. You could tell you could uh, tell looking at your face. In the video. I had a ball. You know, I, I was given free reign to to do the aesthetics on on the ally on the ally NASCAR for 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 Jimmy Johnson on his swan song, you know, uh, uh, of of his of his you know NASCAR, and um, it, it not only did it give me the opportunity to do something really cool and creative on the car, but you know what else was really cool too? People people mail me their uh, their their sixteenth scale ally nascar that we did they mail it to me and ask me to sign it and mail it back and so you know it's so cool because that's out there and and i look at that and i go well that was me that was that was my idea that was that was that was my design and um getting to meet uh jeff gordon um, like we're doing now and getting to meet jimmy johnson uh like we're doing now and work with those guys and talk about things um i mean that's just you know, I'm still okay. I'm 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 57 years old, but when I'm talking to those guys, I'm I'm 16. I'm a kid. I'm like I'm like you know I'm tripping out that that I'm being the fanboy. So to be able to do that uh, uh, for Ally for Andrea, work with those guys and design in that car, that was a huge highlight for me. That's something that I will always look back at. I'll, I'll be that I'll be that old man with the with the white beard down to my belly sitting at the end of the bar going, oh, yeah, I, I did that one time. I knew you. <laughs> you, you, and me, you and me, Danny. Andrea introduced me to Jimmy Johnson, who I met in person was the third show that we did on this program. And she also introduced me to Rick Hendrick, who led to Jeff Gordon and Huge. Rick Hendrick. And Huge. when I was sit when. <laughs> When Rick Hendrick said, go ahead and take out my Ferrari, Jason, and I asked Jeff to drive, it was a moment that I'll never forget in my life. Jeff Gordon driving me in a Ferrari, which, by the way, he admitted he didn't know how to drive because he'd never <laughs> driven the car before. But here we were on the interstate outside of Charlotte, and Jeff Gordon is driving me around. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. Right, yeah. right. It's, it's, it's one of those fantasy right moments. Here. Yep. 
it's a fantasy moment. Is this really happening? So that was that was one of those moments for me. Is this really happening? So so it was it was so cool. And working with those guys was awesome. And you know, Jimmy Johnson, you know, uh, I, I think I think I tapped into the fact that he's really kind of a retro guy himself. So we got yeah. really well on the style because yeah. he really loves that '70s stuff and 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 a lot of those you know fades and panels and things that that are you know really '70s vibe. He was really into that, so that was that was a whole lot of fun. Well, this has been a whole lot of fun as well, Danny. Thank Amen. you so much, Andrea. What an incredible co-host! Thank you for bringing Danny to the to the stage, and we'll Anytime. look Danny on the stage soon. As I think the big hint we heard in this program. Yeah, man. Yeah, there you go. We're coming to back, back, back to the bricks, and we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna cause trouble. <laughs> I can't wait. That's what we do. You know, if if, if people enjoy the crazy things that we do uh, here at Counts Customs and watching it on TV, uh, come to a Count Seventy Seven show sometime and get some up close and personal insanity in your face. It's just, it's just nothing but a fun. It's an old school hard rock classic '70s show. You're gonna have a great time, and and you know. Counting Cars is great. Counts Customs is doing great. And uh, and I can't thank Andrea enough. She has been on my team and in my corner for years. And Andrea has been a total blessing in my life. And I really mean that. And so I thank you, Andrea, so much for everything. Jason, thanks for having me on the show, bro. Thank you. Thank you, Andrea. Thanks again to Danny Coker of Counts Customs and Andrea Brimmer of Ally Financial. Thanks for listening to Cars and Culture. You can follow us, of course, on LinkedIn and Facebook as well as on Instagram at Cars and Culture SXM and on Twitter at Cars and Culture. I'm Jason Stein in Detroit. We'll see you down the road.